Hello, racing fans. Edison Hatter here back with another episode of First Over with Edison Hatter. This time to discuss the races of Woodbine Mohawk on North America Cup Eve this coming Friday, September the 10th, 2011. A 10-race card on tap with a 7 p.m. first post time. And to help me talk about the card today, I'm happy to be joined by the voice of the Meadows racetrack, Jeff Zidick. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you, Edison. Happy to be here. So, Jeff, most of our fans and listeners obviously would know you as the voice of the Meadows, but you've had uh, quite a long time in the industry working as an owner, a trainer. Um, you've obviously been calling it some fairs for many years before the Meadows. So talk a little bit about uh, your background in the sport. Well, I started at the Meadows in 87, believe it or not, as an assistant announcer. Started calling races there. Uh, it's been 34 years. Uh, while I was there working full time, I got interested in the training end of it and would actually race at Northfield Park and all around Ohio and also at the PA Fair as I wasn't allowed to race the Meadows because I was an employee. And so I, you know, learned that end of the business as well, which put in some long nights, but of course I was a lot younger then. And eventually I left the Meadows full time, went into work in uh, athletic administration at a college and still worked part time at the Meadows. And so I kept my hand in it as an announcer, handicapper, uh, and marketing person for a lot of years until Roger Houston then left the Meadows and I left my 20 year position at the college and went back to the Meadows full time. So Jeff, so with your time, obviously as an owner and a trainer and an announcer, um, in particular on this show, so we talked with my Mohawk racing just last week, Ken Middleton up at Woodbine Mohawk track announcer got to call one of his uh, own that he bred and he owns and trains. So have you ever gotten a chance to call one of your own horses in a race? Any exciting stories there? I have many times uh, because when I, during the years I was part-time, I was just a vendor working for the track. At this point now, I can't be dual licensed, so I can't own horses that race at the Meadows. But for many years, I could when I would fill in for Roger Houston. And there were many occasions where I ended up calling my own horses. And I actually... Uh, took that very, I was very careful when I did it. I didn't want anybody thinking that I could influence anything in any way. You know, normally, you know, yourself, when you call a race, you see, you can see a horse starting to make a move to the outside and, and you'll say that. And I always try to be extra careful not to say anything too early because I didn't want anybody to say, oh, he's tipping off his driver that this horse is coming up on the outside. So I was extra bland, extra careful with everything I did whenever I would call one of my own horses. When one of my own horses won and I called the race, you would never know. There's no excitement level whatsoever in my voice because, again, I didn't want to be accused of playing favorites or uh, influence anything in any way. So I was extra careful with those races. Yeah, definitely think we could say the same about Ken Middleton last week. I think you hear a little bit of excitement, of course, but for sure it was a very professional race call nonetheless from him. And uh, if it didn't know any better, I probably wouldn't have suspected it was his horse either. But um, So, Jeff, you did hint there. I know your other job um, in, in athletics over at St. Vincent's College. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about what you've, you've done over there for about 25 years now. Well, I was the sports information director for a lot of years, which meant I was in charge of the uh, athletic website, all athletic statistics, working with the NCAA I eventually transitioned over into coaching, and I continue to work there part-time. I'm probably the only person in the world that is a race announcer and a college bowling coach. Uh, so I've been doing that for about five years now, coaching, continue to do it, and uh, it's definitely a unique perspective on things. So is that a tough schedule to balance? I mean, obviously people ask me all the time about my work schedule. So what about your own between bowling practices and tournaments and announcing at the Meadows? <laughs> It actually works out pretty well that we aren't racing on Saturdays in the winter. 
So that uh, basically when we hit Labor Day this past weekend, we dropped Saturdays from our schedule, which frees me up on the weekends. We don't race Saturday or Sunday. So that frees me up to go travel and, and do the coaching. And so, Jeff, I know we talked a little bit about it. Obviously, fans know you've been at the Meadows, but in particular, can you talk us through just a little bit? I guess at this point, it's been almost exactly two years, right, since you picked up the full-time gig once Roger Houston um, retired. Yeah, well, actually, uh, there was a couple-month transition in the period there where I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it because I was kind of still committed to the college. And I was able to uh, end up starting at the Meadows full-time in early December and stayed with the college full-time until mid-January. So I had about a six-week period there where I was uh, running uh, ragged, but really enjoying getting two paychecks, which was wonderful. But uh, yeah, the transition uh, was was relatively smooth, and I haven't regretted it for a day. Uh, I, you know, when you leave a job that you, you work for 20 years, you always have questions, am I making the right move? Um, and I knew this would kind of be the, one of the biggest decision I'd have left career-wise to make and see if, you know, if I wanted to get back into harness racing. And I have not questioned it. I never regretted it for one moment. And so in, in recent times at the Meadows, I know you guys have kind of shifted your racing schedule a little bit. So has that been a difference for you between, you know, Monday to Wednesday, I recall from last year, now all of a sudden going Wednesday to Friday? Yes, but honestly, it made no difference for me uh, because I just like that our days are consecutive. It's really nice to have a block of days off. So when we're racing four days a week, we've got three days in a row off and then work four straight. Or if in the winter, if we're down to three days a week, they're consecutive. We've got four days in a row off. I, I absolutely love that schedule. So Jeff, I'll ask you one handicapping question that I think is relevant to you in particular because the Meadows seems to have a lot of these. And that is the question of what do you think of, of using driver choice as a handicapping angle? Because it seems like with Aaron Merriman, Dave Plone, you do get a lot of driver choices out there at the Meadows. So how much do you factor which horse they choose to drive into your handicapping selections? That's a, a situation where you have to know a little bit about the trainers as well. Uh, you know, there are sometimes, let's say Mike Wilder gets named on two horses that he has no association with whatsoever. And you look at it and say, okay, he's definitely choosing the right, uh, choosing the best one here. But then let's use Aaron Merriman as an example. Aaron might have a choice between a horse that uh, somebody else trains and a horse that Bill Burkery trains. And over the years, Aaron has always driven the Bill Burkery horse. Uh, I, I, you know, so you have certain combinations that they always uh, pick for, and 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 that you have to factor in. So. And the other thing is, you know, you have occasions where a driver might have 10 other horses he drives for a trainer and he might only drive, he might be asked to drive one for a different person. That one might be the better horse, but that driver risks putting that account in jeopardy and losing the drives on 10 other horses for the sake of driving one one-time horse coming in from another track. Uh, so you have to, it can be a good factor. But it can also be a dangerous factor to use because these guys are businessmen. They know that they can't take a one-time check and give up future checks on other horses just because they want to drive a slightly better one one time. See, now that's the answer that I always say in theory. But it always seems whenever we're at the Meadowlands or Freehold, Rosecroft, be it wherever, <laughs> that if I pick a horse that the driver didn't select, the one that he did select is always the winner. So it always seems like they know better than I. But definitely a very, very good and thought-out answer there from you on that question. And with that said, let's get deeper into this handicapping as we talk about this Friday evening action from Woodbine Mohawk. 
And for fans listening in, as always, they can go to woodbine.com backslash mohawk backslash free hyphen programs to get their very own free program to follow along with us as we talk about this early pick five sequence races one through five, $100,000 guaranteed pool, a 20 cent base wager. Jeff and I both have tickets for you. Jeff is spending $38.40. I'll be a little bit cheaper at $16.20. And we'll just jump right into it here with race number one. The first leg is Phillies and Mares, five-year-olds and younger, non-winners of three races or 62,500 lifetime, on the pace for a purse of 20000 And Jeff, who are you using here? I'm using the one, three, and six. And if you see numbers of mine, I, I don't put them in the order that I think they're going to finish. I put them in numerical order because I plan to use all three. Uh, so one, three, and six with best keepsake, uh, ain't she perfect, and uh, Chief's dream girl. Uh, no strong feeling on this race uh, as far as who I think is the best. And that's why I think this is a great race to look at the pick five because you can use multiple numbers there. If you told me I had to pick a win horse in this race, I'd have a very hard time. Yeah, certainly I agree with you, and you just made my job a lot easier because I'm 136 as well. So um, pretty much got the same statements as you there. But, yeah, you know, I, I think the one from that outside post last time out put in a pretty good effort. Um, so the, the three was parked out for the pretty much the entire mile in, in the Simcoe and still raced pretty well. Uh, the six Chiefs Dream Girl, another one that was closing well from the back of the pack from post nine. And, in fact, these three actually had three of the quickest Last quarters of any of them in this field, their most recent starts, 26-1, and 26-3, and three, and 26 flat. So some pretty good closers that the three of us have selected, and hopefully they'll kick home the strongest. So one, three, six for both of us to kick off this pick five. Yeah, and then one thing to note on the uh, the six Chiefs Dream Girl, here's a horse that choked uh, listed on that line on August 13th. When you see a horse in that situation, you wonder, are they going to come back? Well, certainly four days later, the horse was okay, and the qualifier coming up in 27-2. and two. And what I really liked is the fact that they must have made some type of changes in this horse equipment-wise because this horse was able to sit at the back of the pack. I think if I drove a horse that choked one week, I'd be more inclined to want to just send that horse right out to the front the next start to make sure it doesn't happen again. Uh, but they were willing to duck this horse, and the horse did it very nicely, came from ninth to get fourth. So I think that was a very important line on the sixth. Uh, a horse that, on paper, you're seeing five starts, no wins, no seconds, no thirds, but I don't think you can leave this one off your ticket. Yeah, it's a good point you make. That that night where uh, she was choked, she was actually the six to five favorite, and the betters, you know, really not against, you know, maybe against slightly tougher company, but not really coming back out two weeks later. And she's eighty seven to one, so betters were surely scared away from her, and she put in a pretty good effort. Um, and in fact, that one fifty one and one mile was her fastest in pretty much in quite a while here. So um, for sure, a really good effort, and be interested to see what she has this time out. Six to one on the morning line, definitely a must include. So race two, the William Wellwood Memorial. This is the consolation for the two-year-olds. This is the highest finisher from those eliminations who didn't make the final. This is on the trot for 30000 Jeff, who's using here? I've got four numbers, uh, one, three, six, and seven, you know, with the trotters, obviously, and you're seeing some breaks on the card. I'll tell you, one of the main things I looked at is I looked at the betting line last week. Uh, these horses were mostly long shots. The only two that got significant play were the one safe conduct, who was nine to two, and the seven Devereaux Sealster, who was out there at seven to one last week. The betters like them against the top-level horses last week. They're in the consolation this week. I think you have to use those two. I also will throw the three and the six in there. The three is one of my key handicapping factors. Look at that line on Delgado. I always look for this. It's a horse that was used twice. It is very difficult for a standard bred to make two moves. Now, this horse left out of the gate, got away second, and then they pulled the horse down the backstretch. The horse shows being out at the three-quarters. You try to make two moves. Very few horses can do it but I think it helps tighten them up for the next week. 
Uh, and so that's a key line that I see on Delgado. It's a handicapping angle that I use very, very often. Uh, the other one I threw in was the six drinks at home. Uh, you know, you've got McClure, you've got the, the trainer combination. I mean, this is, this is a horse you can't really leave off the ticket. Just missed making the, the final with a fourth place finish. So I didn't have a strong feeling on any one in particular, but I'm pretty comfortable going four deep into this one, one, three, six, seven. So for me, I use the one in here, safe conduct as well with you. Um, well, for me, it's one, one, three, six. So pretty similar to you again, just not using the seven, but the one safe conduct, definitely the angle there is the fact that he was nine to two against obviously the top level horses, including Temporal Hanover, Juan there, Wardeo, you know, the ones that are going on to the final on Saturday night. So the fact that he took money there was pretty promising. He does get a very nice rail draw again. The three Delgado, I saw the exact same thing as you did actually was right that he uh, left from post five, and then had to come back outside first over. Really tough thing to do, and just didn't have anything through the stretch, but definitely can hopefully work out a cleaner trip here tonight. And then for the six drinks at home, that's when I thought put in a pretty good effort there from post seven, finishing fourth, beaten by seven in the duly resolved elimination. Came home with 28-1, final time of 56-3. and three. That went 14-1, to one, so it did take some money as well. So it's one, three, and six for me in the second race. So race three is Phillies and Mares, non-winners of 36.50 in their last five starts, or non-winners of 7,000 in their last 10. It's on the pace for a purse of 12,000, and you're going deep in here again, Jeff. Yeah, another one that, uh, you know, you've got these condition races. You've got horses moving down in class. I think you have to give them looks as well. Uh, the horses that have been stuck in this class for a while, those ones it's a little tougher to use. But I'm starting out uh, from inside out. I've got two, five, six, and nine. The two's taken a pretty steep class drop, one in similar company, two back. Really wasn't overly competitive last week, but wasn't too far back. You know, seven and a quarter back at the wire wasn't horrible. Uh, the five is a horse that got parked for the mile and had reason to fade late. And also that was in the non-winners of five. Uh, that was, I think, a pretty tough group last week. I'm looking for this uh, five horse to be very good in here. Uh, the six, another one that got out of the gate well. Uh, I watched the race from last week. Didn't have a whole lot coming home, but uh, still... 27 and 2. I mean, they were, they were moving pretty quickly after a quick half got caught up in a really fast race and is down in class. And the nine, Mary Cat. Now, Mary Cat, I watched that race from last week. She definitely came up empty last week. Uh, she got a great trip, tipped to the outside top of the stretch, and just went nowhere. But she was 40 cents on the dollar in a higher class two back. The other kick is that she hasn't raced since the 14th. So whatever went wrong on the 14th, they've given her a couple of weeks off whether she needed vet work, whether she just needed a, a little bit of a break, uh, whatever. I, I got to give her another look this week because they gave her that time off. She may come back very strong. So two, five, six, and nine. So I know that you only use a couple horses, just two in the last two legs. For me, I use three each in there. So therefore, this is the leg that I had to take a stand in to keep my cost down. And um, pretty much I'm going to highlight the things you said again. But for me, the nine Mary Cat is the single but not my favorite single of all time. It is one I'm going to make. But um, for the first thing, I think she does have gate speed. She's obviously shown that before. So I'm not sure that post nine is going to be the worst thing in the world. So at least that's out of the way. Then the effort two starts back on August the 6th. That was a really good one that I think I'm looking back on where it was against nine winners of 5,000. This is now nine winners of 36.50. And right, she was two to five, 40 cents to the dollar that day. Finishing second, did get beaten from the front end. Final time of 51-2, and two, though. So overall, it appears she has put in some superior miles over this field. But definitely that effort, although it was against non-winners of 8,500 back on August 14th, that most recent start, it was pretty concerning that she uh, got the lead through the opening quarter, then kind of got shuffled back. But overall, got a pretty good trip and really did not have a whole lot to offer there in the stretch. And of course, 
as you mentioned, the now almost four weeks off she will have coming into this Saturday is or this Friday is definitely some cause for concern. But I'm hoping that just this drop in class will be enough for her to wake up and, and get the job done here. She was an eight-time winner in 2020 and only has two wins so far this year. So hopefully this is the wake-up call she needs down to this bottom-level conditions event. So for me, it's the single to the nine, Mary Cat, but definitely cannot fault you for spreading in this race at all. Well, I'll be honest with you. My original run-through, I singled the nine. And then I decided, wait a minute. Let me look. I want to see if she got locked in or if she had a clear path in that August 14th start. And after watching the replay, that's what led me to throw some other numbers in. I think she can win it. I really do. I think she's going to be very good. But that stretch drive from the 14th just had me enough uh, of a concern that I, I threw other numbers in. Yeah, definitely definitely can't fault you there. But uh, hopefully, hopefully she'll come through for me. But we'll see what happens there as we turn to the fourth race. The Phillies and Merits, four-year-olds and youngers, nine winners of two races or 16,000 lifetime on the pace for a purse of 16,000. And who do you use in here, Jeff? Going to the outside numbers here, seven and nine. Village Jade is a horse that uh, just missed by a neck from a bad post last week. Slightly better post. I know post nine at uh, Mohawk isn't quite as bad as post nine where I'm used to at the Meadows. But still, I mean, I thought that was a pretty strong effort last time out. Uh, The other one is American Ticket. This horse has faced nothing but... Very difficult stake company. This is a major class drop from New York Sire Stake, top level in the internal Cam Nation last time out at Mohawk. Major drop down in class for a horse that was bet to even money in the uh, stake race last week. Uh, I almost singled the nine, but outside posts, uh, you just don't know. So I, I decided, well, uh, it'll add to my ticket cost, but I'd rather feel a little more safe and throw the seven in as well. But if you need a single, I think the nine could be the single. Yeah, I was just about to say, as I was going through the ticket as well, that was almost a spot where I singled as well. So alternatively, although we both have our actual tickets to give out, if people are just kind of listening and constructing their own tickets, uh, maybe this will be the spot to single and maybe take your deeper horses in the leg before instead of my single. I mean, a lot of different ways to go. But for sure, nine American ticket would not be surprised to see her get the job done here against, you know, much tougher company in the, the Sire Stakes, the Eternal Camation, uh back on August 28th as the... Uh, even money favored that they did disappoint finishing third, but nonetheless, much tougher company than what she will see here. Post nine, of course, not ideal, but she also looks to seem to have the gate speed to probably work out an okay trip from there. But the other two that I included are the three and the five. The three control the thong is eight to one on the morning line. It's Louis Philip Waugh in the bike. And she has made a break two starts back in Ontario Saturday Six Company on the 5H track. And then it went by Mohawk last time out against this level company from post seven. She kind of got a tough trip, ended up having to move into that outer flow early and was able to come home okay, passing tired horses late. She finished third, but beat by a good seven and a quarter. 27 to one, though, the come home time, 154 flat the final time. So from post three, if she can be a little bit closer here early, I think she's in with a chance. She was finished third, beaten only by three and a quarter at this level back on August the 13th. So throw her in at a price. And the five state of mind is one from post eight who also put in a pretty good late kick. Got away last or second to last, last time out last Friday, but came home in 27 flat to finish at 54 and one. Was still beaten though by eight and a half. So um, definitely, I think the nine is the one to beat here, but the three and the five, a little better post draws tonight. Maybe they'll get be able to work out a little bit better trip and maybe pull the upset there. So that is three, five, and nine for me in race four. Race five, the Simcoe three year old Phillies. This one for $160,260 on the trots. Jeff. Who do you have bringing it home? This is the race that I'm the least comfortable with. I only went too deep. Uh, I'm going to try to go to the five and the nine. Uh, Leaving the four off the ticket could end up biting me. 
uh, it's, it's a, it's a tough group here, you know, and then you've got this three horse that shows a 51 victory, uh, back in mid July. Uh, this is a very, very good group. Uh, I'm concerned about the break of the three, uh, the four definitely, uh, the, uh, it was a tough call for me, but I decided to just try to get a little bit more of a price here. You know, I'm looking at the fact that even though they were in different divisions last week, I'm extra special was bet to nine to five and has been a strong favorite in other races. Uh, I hope she's got the speed of the four. Uh, but the other one that I used is the Pennsylvania horse, the nine lady chaos coming back from a uh, trip to Pocono last week for the Pennsylvania Sire state championship finished third in that group. Uh, got uh, pushed a little bit to the half and 56 had reason to get tired coming home. Uh, lost to Bella Bellini and you ought to dream couple of very good horses. So I went to the five and nine leaving the four off could be the one that comes back and bites me. It's one of those, uh, for me, it might be a game day, uh, a game time decision. If I'm, if I'm having a good afternoon and I get to the, uh, the wood or the uh, Mohawk Woodbine card, I might look at it and say, okay, I'm going to go three deep into this last leg and throw the four in there as well. But right now I have my ticket just as five and nine. Yeah, I agree. This was a tricky leg for me. For me, it was between the three, the four, the five, and the nine. And based on my cost, I knew I could take three of them for what I wanted to be at. So the three I took were the three, the five, and the nine. Uh, I think my top selection here, though, actually probably would be the nine Lady Chaos. I think she's been racing pretty well. Um, obviously was was in that Hamiltonian Oaks uh, elimination, actually a winner there over Bella Bellini. And then obviously Bella Bellini turned the tables the next week at one to two to win the Hamiltonian Oaks final. Um, and Lady Chaos had a tough first over grind, ended up finishing last in that field, but nonetheless has a very strong class there with some of the horses that she's been racing against. Um, the 5 I Metro Special has been one that's been pretty good on the local circuit there with by Mohawk. Um, four for eight this year, just had a, that four-race win streak snapped actually last time out in that casual breeze with that defeat at 9-5. to five. And then the three Donna Soprano I throw in, I thought she was racing pretty – she's been racing pretty well this past um, – Summer with us at the Meadowlands, in particular that in the Miller Memorial on Meadowlands Pace Night, that victory there I thought was really impressive over Beltasima Maycar. That was a really good field that she beat that day. Um, and then she came up here on the local circuit, a couple of qualifiers. I thought this most recent qualifier on August 24th was pretty good. But then that effort last Friday night in the casual breeze, she made a break right at the start. She was 5-2, to two, though. So she definitely was taking some money, so... Hopefully uh, she will take better to the surface tonight, but um, for sure one that I include. And yeah, the four Amazon Daharos will probably be the next one I would include for sure, but uh, definitely a tough finishing leg, but it's three, five, and nine for me here to wrap up the early pick five. So to recap our tickets there for Jeff, it's a $38.40 play, one, three, six with one, three, six, seven with two, five, six, nine with seven, nine with five, nine. And for me, it's a sixteen dollar and twenty cent play. And Jeff, listen to this one. This is very symmetrical here. It's one three six with one three six with nine with three five nine with three five nine. There you go. <laughs> so Jeff, next we'll turn the pages to a couple of featured races on the card, starting with race six. This is Ontario Sired Stakes three year old Phillies Grassroots Starters in twenty twenty one. It's on the page for twenty thousand. Um, those fourteen entered into this race, and they ended up being split into two divisions. And actually, that's what we're going to discuss here: is just those two divisions. So, starting with this sixth race, this first division of these Ontario Sire Stake three-year-old fillies. What do you think of this race? I, I think I'm, I'm leaning to the three here. I think a lot of people are going to. The horse has been a consistent top finisher, and the key line for me was back on August second. This horse decided to try the top level gold and finished a very respectable fourth and fifty-three and two. A uh, very good line, and I think 
Now, you know, this horse has the post. And again, it's it's one of my favorite angles, the two move. This horse uh, was at uh, Rideau Carlton last time out, left from post six, got away third and 27. After they back the half down, this horse pulls back to the outside first up, tries to catch up uh, in a 27 and one third quarter and still had enough to hold on for third. So, uh, you know, again, the two moves and the two moves were significant because they were both in very, very quick quarters. Uh, the other ones to look at, the seven and the four, uh, it's one of those I'd probably look at three over seven and four. I, I know the four showing some 52 lines, but you, you've got to realize uh, the company and the uh, tracks that the three has been racing. I, I do like the three over the seven and four. Yeah, this was a race that I looked at a couple of different ways as well. But for me, I ended up going to the outside to the seven sweet pink who had a three race win streak there um, back ended in early in middle of August, came back the next week in Ontario Sire Stakes out of Rideau Carlton, finished third that day after leading most of the way. Did have to work pretty hard to get to the top though, 26 and four for that opening quarter. Um, she was actually two to five that day and disappointed. Then she came back at five to one at Wood by Mohawk and non-winners of three event. Uh, got away third from post two, ended up taking the lead by a neck there past three quarters on the, was parked on the outside there for just over half, a quarter of a mile and ended up tiring through the stretch, came home with 28 final time of 53 and two. So she is nine for, or three for nine this year. I think she'll try to get back to her winning ways here after those two most recent disappointing efforts, but definitely the three, a major contender in there as well as the four Carson Gouda. What about the six, our little miracle? That's the other one, kind of a lower price in the morning line. We haven't talked about yet. what do you think of her chances here? Uh, it's a horse that, uh, you know, shows some versatility, can get out of the gate. Uh, not as stellar from behind, but I do think the horse can close. You look at that race last time out, the horse did leave the gate, got shuffled to sixth, came back on with a 26-2. and two. So a little bit of versatility. Uh, hopefully the horse is handy enough that he can take this horse back off the gate because I don't know that this one's going to want to leave. Uh, there's You've got the three and four with Gatesby. You don't want to see this horse get burned up too early. I do think the seven's going to leave as well. Uh, they can't all be on the front. Uh, and so will this horse drop in? Will this horse take to the back? I think best case scenario for the six, the three, four, and seven all battle early, set up really quick fractions. This horse tries to circle them from the back. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little tricky for her. I mean, if you look at her four most recent lines, the, the two per se bad efforts were when she had post 10 and post 11 and the fact that she wasn't able to leave. So um, she definitely will probably want to leave in here. But yeah, a lot of other speed there signed on. So We'll see what kind of trip Christopher was able to work out for our little miracle um, here in the sixth race on Friday night. Again, that's Ontario Sire three-year-old Phillies grassroots starters of 2021 on the pace for a purse of 20000 And that's also the conditions for our ninth race, which we'll talk about next. Again, this is just the second division. It was 14 of the mentored split into the two divisions. So what do you think of this race, Jeff? I just think there's there's going to be so much play going to the one. Uh, I think you got to look to the exotics with this one. Now, I think the one is the horse to beat. Look at that last line. Parked early, was sitting second to the quarter, got shuffled back to seventh. The three quarters came back on to get third. I think that was a very, very strong line. Uh, the horse had a couple of wins prior to that consecutively. Uh, so I, I think the one's the horse to beat. Has the inside post, has a trainer with a with a 434 uh, rating. Uh, it's just everything pointing toward the one right now. And certainly McDonald can get this horse home very easily. Uh, underneath, I look at the six. Uh, the six was thought of enough to be tried into the Simcoe last week. Did not get a trip, got parked for the mile, but still uh, 52 and one effort. And then the uh, three, Andra Day, my third choice, horse that got roughed up a little bit in a, in a tough non-winners of five last time out and uh, really did not get a good trip. I kind of pitched that line a little bit. 
Uh, the previous efforts have been a little bit better, but uh, I, I think there's just going to be a ton of money on the one, and you got to look to the exotics in this one. Well, once again, either uh, Great Minds Think Alike or Misery Likes Company. I'm, I'm pretty similar with you, Jeff. Uh, I also like the one Cyclone Sister who is 3-1 to one on the morning line, is actually the second choice, but I would not be shocked to see her be post-time favorite. We'll see what happens there. Um, right, that last effort was, was really good from post-8. Before that, had two wins in a row against Ontario Sire Stakes uh, Company in the Grassroots Series, and then against non-winners of three at Woodbine Mohawk. Um, so it's been in pretty good form lately. Again, draws the rail today. James McDonald signed on the drive. Definitely will not be that 21 to one price that she was last Friday night at Woodby Mohawk. Um, and underneath, yeah, the six voluptuous, the, the three Andrew day. And this is circling back to what we talked about before we started handicapping this card about driver choice. Doug McNair was, uh, listed on both the three and the six. And I actually kind of tend to prefer the three Andrew day. But again, whenever I, I take this angle, I usually seem to be wrong, but Trevor Henry ends up picking up that drive. Um, and right, I thought that last effort for Andrew Day was really tricky being parked or being uh, first up there and just tired through the stretch. Then had a vet uh, six scratch back on August the 13th, but seemed to come back okay off of that. It was six to ones. So it took some money against some grassroots starters back on August 22nd. That second place finish. So I'm not too worried anymore about that vet six scratch. And again, I thought a, an okay effort last Friday considering um, the, the trip that she was up against. So hopefully she'll work out a better one today in the short, in the smaller field. So it is one over the three for me, throwing the six as well and some exactas and trifectas in race nine. So that's just about the time we have here to discuss the Friday evening action of Wood by Mohawk. Again, this is a card that will get started at 7 p.m. 10 races Wood by Mohawk this coming Friday, September the 10th, 2021. Again, for free programs, you can go on to woodbine.com backslash mohawk backslash free hyphen programs. And just a couple of other comments in here in particular. Tomorrow night, I'll be releasing another show, First Over with Edison Hatter, discussing the Saturday evening action. That'll be Saturday, September the 11th, 2021. It'll be a huge card. It'll be Pepsi North America Cup number 38. 13 races on that card. The Pepsi North America Cup goes as race number 11, but plenty of other stakes races on there. And we'll also pay some special attention to the last race on Saturday night. It's a $300,000 carryover. And that pool's already been frozen, so it's going to be a $300,000 Canadian dollars carryover in the super high five in that 13th and final race. A really good field of 12 signed on there, so I'm just starting to look at that race myself. Going to be definitely a tricky one there. But for this episode, to wrap it up, again, we'll thank Jeff Zidick. Jeff, thank you so much for being on with us today. My pleasure, Edison. Anytime. And i got to put in a shameless plug. Be ready. Friday night, September 17th, when we get back to racing, we're going to have a big carryover and a big estimated pool in our super high five. So be ready for that one at the Meadows. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is your rare week off at the Meadows, but you guys will resume next week. And then pretty much the rest of the year, it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 1245 PM, correct? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 1245. And we've moved Fridays to 4 PM. So we're going to be in the uh, late afternoon on Fridays from here through uh, the end of November. We're going to be Fridays at four. Okay. So there we go. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 1245 PM at the Meadows and Fridays, that 4 PM card, Again, from the Meadows, where Jeff Zidick works as track announcer. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with either of us, you can find Jeff Zidick on Twitter at Meadows underscore TV. And for me, it's at Edison underscore 1999 underscore. So again, that wraps up this episode of First Over with Edison Hatter, when we will talk to you next time.